If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> I wasn't going to tell this story, but uh, I heard a guy was making reservations. He was flying in Europe, and he went through a private company, and they had messed his reservation up a little bit. He had a 47-year layover, and he sent an email <laughs> asking, what am I supposed to do for this 47-year layover? And uh, the response from Jen, the service <laughs> advisor, was, well, we have, if you're not afraid of heights, we have this cool moon bar that you can go up to, and they have really good food, and that can buy you some time. She made a reservation, you know, a recommendation to go visit some local sites and things like that, and said, by the way, I guess I'll just check in on it for you. And because her response was so funny, it was like six different bullet points of, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's doing this and wasting my time. I'm so mad that I got a 47-year layover just to answer my question that it goes viral. The guy ends up relaxing a little bit. And uh, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is customer service is not what it used to be. <laughs> it's hard to find help nowadays. We just don't live in a, in a world where relationally, by and large, even in America, people are getting a little snippy and snarky at times. It's important to God all throughout Scripture how we treat each other, though, right? So you see in the New Testament, 50 times or more, the words one another stuck together. How we treat one another. A few weeks ago, we talked about love one another, then it's accept one another, and tonight we're going to talk about service. Serve one another. And I want to read in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read uh, three verses, 13 through 15. And if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's word. In verse 13, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by another. You may be seated. I want us to see three things that stick out in this passage today. And the first is this, that God established a rule for serving. There's a basic rule for serving. I'll tell you what it is in a second, but I want to give you a little background about the context. He wrote this letter to a group of churches in Galatia because some false teaching was creating some angst. There were people who had heard the good news, the gospel. They said, you need Jesus they received the message with joy, and it was freeing. But then there were people in the churches saying, hold on, the gospel's not enough. You do realize you still need to keep all the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. So they were trying to teach the Gentiles, for instance, you're going to have to go circumcise your sons. You're going to obey the Hebrew dietary laws. You need to observe Jewish holidays and the other 600-plus rules that they had come up with over the years. 
And that freedom they felt when they first received Christ was overshadowed by this sense of duty and burden and rules. Any of us ever felt that way? It's the hardest thing in the world I've found is to behave like a Christian. Although I have found the easiest thing to be is a Christian. It's simple, but difficult. And it's not complex. The Holy Spirit working in us. Paul wrote this letter to take the burden and restore their freedom. To go back to the good news that Jesus has done it all by forgiving you of your sins. And through repentance and faith in Christ, that's enough. Back up to verse 1 in Galatians 5, and it said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. A yoke. Don't let anyone guilt you into not keeping traditions and ceremonies and rules. The things can be a heavy yoke. What's a yoke? A little part in the middle of an egg? No. A yoke was a heavy wooden thing that you put on an ox that when you pair, they're not going anywhere. They can't do anything. It's like a handcuffs for huge animals. Trying to keep the rituals of the Old Testament is like having handcuffs for huge animals around your neck. It's miserable. It's like slavery. Don't let anyone do that to you. Put that on you. Stand firm. So you can imagine the people reading this received a little relief. Okay, we get to start over again. I'm not so upset. There was a passage. Let's read verse 13 again. It repeats. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. In other words, as free people, you now have a choice. It's really a simple choice. How you're going to use the freedom that God has given us through the gospel. This is the rule of serving, and here it is. We all are going to serve somebody. You serve somebody, I serve somebody, you're going to serve somebody. Who we serve is the issue. I think even Bob Dylan caught this back in the day. You remember what he said? You're going to have to serve somebody. He was exactly right. He might have had some broken other theology, but he was right about this. We are always serving someone. And basically, we have two choices. We can indulge the flesh. Or we can serve somebody else. Our first choice is to indulge the flesh. When the Bible uses the term flesh, it doesn't mean just our physical appetites. It's literally talking about our self-interests, our desires, our concerns, the things that we worry about. There's a strong voice in, in culture that says, you'll live your best life if you just be true to yourself, right? Follow your heart. Don't let anybody else tell you what to do. Go, go after the things that you desire. If your marriage is falling apart and she's not making you happy or completing you, 
Irreconcilable differences. There's always somebody else. You will be happy in the future if you do what you want to do. What a lie from the pit of hell. The problem, your desires never take you to happier places. I can never have enough. I have what I want. I love that Jeep. I hate that payment. (laughs) Right? The approach to life will never, ever deliver on your desires being the basis for your happiness. When we use our freedom to serve ourselves, we violate a God-given design. In verse 15, he gives us the graphic warning of what our life will be like if we take this route. Verse 15 says, If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I don't really want to be consumed by anyone else. We think indulging our flesh will be the ultimate freedom, but it's actually the ultimate slavery. At the fishing tournament, I helped a boy carry a couple of fish in a bucket over to be weighed. They're swimming around in that bucket. We put it up on the counter. The judge reaches in and grabs one of those fish and puts it on the scale, puts it on the rule, and that fish looked miserable. It was free from the bondage of that bucket, but it was not free at all. It was out of its environment. It couldn't breathe. What does a fish need to breathe? Water. It needed to be back in the bucket, back in the water. That's the environment that was created for that fish to thrive. Much like that environment for that fish to thrive, God has given us an environment that we must thrive in. You and I were not designed to live for ourselves. From the very beginning, we were designed for him and others. We were created in his image for his purposes to glorify him. How in the world does that match up with living for ourselves? That's not the environment we were made to live in. Romans 6, and this isn't on your screen, 16 through 18 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness." We're all slaves of something, either of sin, which leads to death, or righteousness, which leads to life and peace. So let's do some self-reflection tonight. If you feel a sense of dissatisfaction in your life, a kind of empty in your relationships, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you could be living outside of God's design for your life. Maybe some of your own desires that don't look bad have overwhelmed God's will. He says he's going to meet all of our needs according to his riches of glory. And if we seek him with all of our heart, we'll find him. The trouble is, we're still seeking the other things. Doesn't God want me to be happy? 
Doesn't he want to meet my needs? Why are these situations not working out the way they should? Maybe they're not supposed to work out the way you think they should. Something is not right. Are you feeling like a fish out of water? In this passage, God calls us to use our freedom the second way. To serve one another. To serve one another. In verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, not to use your freedom as an opportunity, but the flesh, but to serve one another in love. Another version says, instead of using it to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. When we tolerate sin, when we desire solutions more than God, we don't live humbly serving one another in love. Warren Wearsby said, Christian liberty is not a license to sin, but an opportunity to serve. And that's what we're designed for, to serve. The second thing I want you to realize is there's a paradox to serving. Now, what's a paradox? A paradox is two things that seemingly contradict one another, but they don't. You ever heard the statement, less is more? Well, sometimes it is. You ever heard the statement, I'm lonely? A crowd is the loneliest place to be. We've all been there. These are paradoxes. So here's the paradox. The first four chapters of Galatians are, have been called to freedom. God was calling his people to freedom. Don't be a burden. Don't live by religion anymore. Release that and accept Jesus and just follow him. Don't let anyone make you a slave. And the Greek word for slave is the word doulos, right? Don't let anyone turn you into a doulos because you're free. In verse 13 again, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve. The word serve in the Greek, can you guess what it is? do loss. The same word, don't let anyone make you a slave, is the word serve. The word serve is slave. Become a slave, but don't let anyone make you a slave. It seems contradictory, but it's not. Here's the principle. Forced servanthood is ugly. It's inhumane. Abraham Lincoln got rid of it we thought. Satan did not. Right? Forced servanthood is ugly. Don't make in, let anyone make you a slave. But chosen servanthood is beautiful. A doula, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I read this this week, is an actual job title. It is a childbirth coach. A doula helps pregnant women get ready for delivery, coaches them during the birth process, offers encouragement and wisdom, what they're to expect, even coaches the mom after she's given birth for a few weeks if necessary. That's an actual job title with the word doula from the Greek that means slave. It's a servant. Come to. You're literally coaching them as 
their servant. When the new mom can take care of their own baby, they are capable of doing the same service. Don't make, don't let anyone make you a doulos. Choose to be one. Choose to be attentive to. Choose to focus on others. Choose to be committed to serving the needs of others. That's what we are designed for. So what would it mean to choose servanthood as a regular part of our life? Last week we had Jeff Moore and Matt Wilson come, and Matt came here and talked with Mike Breland. We took them. They asked, what can we do for you? We asked, what can we do for you? Serving one another. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's, maybe it's raising your own kids. Maybe it's attending to the needs of a spouse. Maybe it's serving a coworker. Maybe it's serving a neighbor who can't take care of themselves. Maybe it's adopting one of those children from Nicaragua. Chosen servanthood is beautiful and in God's design for his people and his children. Number three, there's a secret to serving. You remember the Gospel Mark, chapter 1. There's a massive crowd gathering around Jesus. He stays up late at night, healing a lot of people. He's exhausted. He's trying to get away. He can't, they can't find Jesus anywhere. They finally find him in a solitary place, and they say, Everybody's been looking for you. Where have you been? Jesus doesn't say this. Would you give me a break? Can I not get a break? How many people do I have to heal to make you people happy? Right? He says, let's go to the next town and I can teach people there. He did his greatest miracle of feeding the 5,000 when he was going to find a solitary place. They came and got him and he said he felt passion, compassion for the people, turned around and God empowered him and gave him the energy to glorify God and himself. Let's go to the next town. So here's the secret. The secret to serving is committing our lives, connecting our lives with Jesus. Connecting people to Jesus Christ and one another. It's connecting ourselves with Jesus. I think the trouble that I get into is the same trouble you might get into. Is we're not connected with Jesus before we leave the house, or we are enough that, hey, I forgot what he said 45 minutes after I left the house because I got caught up on cut off in traffic. Life interrupts our connection with Jesus, so we've got to be intentional. The secret to serving and connecting and staying connected with Jesus. So let's go back to the example that we talked about just a minute ago. The heavy handcuffs on the oxen. One strong ox can pull about 5,000 pounds when he's trained. An untrained ox can pull about 2,000 pounds. So you put a yoke on the oxen. Now, together, the trained ox can pull 10,000 pounds with the help of an untrained ox. While the untrained ox is going where the trained ox wants them to do. Why? He doesn't have the freedom to go anywhere else. He has become a slave together, being trained for the betterment 
of the training, a doula. His job is to be trained by the trained. Now, once he's trained by himself, he could pull 5,000 pounds. You put those two trained oxen together, and now we're pulling 15,000 pounds. If God can do that with heavy animals, triple their strength with training, how much more can he do it? There's, there's a picture that I gave Josh that I'd like you to see. That is not the center of an egg. That is a yoke. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I need to be in one of those sides to train you. You're the other. There's a reason there's two spots for two heads. Jesus said, come here. I've got a new yoke for you that when you offer yourself unto me, you will experience true freedom. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reason we have heavy burdens because we haven't given him the power. He has all the power in the world. He made it. And he made us. And he put us in it. And he said, come to me, all you who are weary and worn out. And we forget to do it. We want to do it in our own power. We see our own desires. You know what I've realized? Burnout does not come from working too hard for God. Burnout comes from working alone. Burnout comes from working alone for God even. Jesus will doesn't give us rest from work. Rather, he gives us rest in our work. He gives us power to do more work because he works in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. We just have to be available his call is not an easy life, the way we normally think about easy. If you're thinking faithfully serving in a hard marriage or a typical marriage or with difficult kids or with special needs situations, if you're really serving any people, Jesus isn't saying this is stress-free. He's not saying it doesn't take work. He's saying that if you can only pull 5,000 pounds, even though you're trained, I can pull so much more. I can do so much more than you can do without me. So when you wear out, remember why you're wearing out. This is what Paul meant in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are crucified with Christ. He lives in me and you. And he should live through us. So even though you've tried and exhausted and burned yourself out, there's hope. 
We are called as servants. Jesus said that he came to serve, not to be served. I'm going to read a story about a guy who didn't get it until it was too rough. And I'm going to ask for the band to come up right now as we conclude. Dr. John Barger had a successful medical practice, but he had a miserable marriage. The best way to describe it was cold. He was demeaning and domineering to his family. His wife, Susan, feared him. She resented him. If it weren't for the children, she would have left him. Something happened. His wife was pregnant. She was about to give birth. He was with her in the delivery room. It was a hard labor. Her placenta tore, and she started hemorrhaging. The baby came out and was stillborn. His words were this. At two in the morning, in a stark, bright hospital delivery room, I held in my left hand my tiny, lifeless son. He stared in disbelief at his death. I had the power to make these family lives worse by raging against my baby's death and my wife's lack of love or to make their lives better by learning to love them properly. But I had to choose. That became a turning point in his life. He decided to learn, lean on God's grace and allow God to change his heart and his behavior. Here's how he describes it. I began holding my tongue. I started admitting my faults, apologizing for them. I quit defending myself when I was judging too harshly. As I made myself the center of attention for too many years already, I said little about my own labors and sorrows and sought to know Susan's to help her bear her sorrows. Frankly, once I started listening to her, I began hearing her. I began drawing her out. She began trusting me. I was startled at how many and how deep her sorrows and woes really were. Of course, no one's perfect. He didn't change everything overnight, but as it turned out, his direction from serving himself went to serving his wife and even his kids. His wife's anger and coldness dissipated. They began to open up to warmness and trust and gentleness. Life became radically different over the years. Of course, it doesn't usually have a fairy tale ending, doesn't it? Eventually, Susan got sick. She was diagnosed with cancer and within eight months passed away. She breathed her last surrounded by her family and closest friends but with the faith and trust of someone she didn't know before serving isn't always cutting somebody's grass It's not always throwing a big fishing tournament and giving out hot dogs. Sometimes it's hugging. Sometimes it's just listening. It's always praying. 
It's always caring. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't boast. True service looks like true love. And when we surrender, like Dr. Barger did, to God's love for us, He helps us see how He loved us. How He listened to all the times that we shouted out our problems and concerns with no desire for a relationship. That God was just someone who we needed to get money. We, we didn't have any other resource because we'd already exhausted all of that. He's the last resort, not the first resort. I don't know about you. I don't want my wife to be my last resort. I don't want her to think that I come to her for only things that I need her to do. Why would I want that for anyone else? Jesus Christ came and laid down his life for you and me. We were un unworthy, imperfect, non-serving, always obeying the rules, and as long as we behave well, well, we're good, and at least I'm a good person, and I can sail off to heaven. Don't believe the lies. You weren't made to go on a rule table measured in a tournament by an enemy, flopping around out of control as a sport fish, Jesus said, Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. An abundant life is not flopping on a table or wondering why I'm just swimming in a bucket with my idiot friend who's not taking me anywhere. When God says, that is an ocean that I planted you in, and that's where you are to live. We as God's people, if we don't know how to live, the world will never get it they'll never feel the love of Christ it's that important that we stay reset on a regular basis that we listen more than we speak that we serve that we love that we fulfill his purposes for us in his generation so we're going to continue right now just praying if you need prayer I'm just going to stand right here and I'd love to pray for you if you want to worship pray right where you are do that if you want to listen to God and listen to the words pray to him if you have a burden I promise you he's big enough to let you shout all you want you don't know Jesus and you want to he's big enough to hear that first first prayer that God listens to is I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God that Jesus is Lord 
and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you don't know him and you want to, pray an honest prayer from your heart that says, I believe that you died for my sins and I need you. I want you and I don't know you. I want to live the purpose that you have designed for me. I would love to pray for you. If you pray that on your own, just share it with share it with me after the service and I'll give you some tools that you can walk in your faith. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to stand right here. I want you guys to stand and worship. Lord, we want to accept your call to serve one another. We know that it's important to you, so that's enough for it to be important to us. We thank you for a salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, there's some burdens here, I know there are, that I ask your relief from. Lord, there's some listening that needs to take place. Give us the power to do just that. We want to be better husbands and better wives and better dads and moms and grandparents and nieces and nephews and co-workers and neighbors. We want to be all you want us to be and we know that we cannot do it when we are self-serving so Lord show us how we can be the slaves the servants the beautiful servants that you've designed us to be that we thrive in the ocean that you planted us in that we can multiply and that the lies of the, the, the devil would not infiltrate your people and that we would not be discouraged but rather encouraged with the peace and love that we know only comes from you. Lord, hear our prayers now as we pray, as we worship. In Jesus' name.